Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Podcast One. Hey everyone, and just a quick warning about this episode. It may contain some strong language and material of a sensitive nature like discussions around mental health, sex and suicide. If any of these topics are distressing to you or if you know someone who might need some help, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. Welcome to Listen Able, the podcast where we hope to break down the stigmas associated with disability and share some incredible stories from people in the community. Yeah, exactly right. And after a pretty horrible first guest, <laughs> you. who was me, <laughs> it's time to get somebody actually in uh, as, our, as our first Listen Able interviewed uh, profile piece. And, you know, I've as you, as you would have heard in the first episode, I've had a disability my whole life. And this person actually started as an able-bodied person and then um, got their disability later in life and you'll hear why but I think he probably has what I thought before talking to him one of the most toughest disabilities to, to face. That's really interesting that's what I wrote down here as well. I think out of all of the disabilities being 31 years old and being able-bodied up until this point I think I would struggle most with his. And by the end of this podcast I think that'll challenge your perception of what you think it is like I because so. he has a, a very positive mindset. I actually just saw him get married as well. Yeah, you're going to hear in this podcast, which was recorded earlier, uh, him talking about an upcoming wedding, uh, having his fiance. But now, yeah, over the weekend, just gone, they got married. They did. So it's now his wife. And he's such a legendary down-to-earth guy. He's a good-looking rooster as well. Mm-hmm. You've got to head to our socials to check out just how good-looking this man is. But he's an inspirational guy, someone that I promise you, you'll really enjoy listening and definitely learn a lot about what it's like to have this disability. Bar Dylan Alcott, let's meet our first official guest of Listenable. My name is Ben Pettingill. I'm a professional speaker, athlete, and pretty down to earth. You are, mate. And what is your disability? I am blind, so 98% of my eyesight gone. What does 2% of vision look like? It's a difficult question because it's mm. a bit hard for me to show you a picture and say, yeah, well, that's exactly of what course, I can see because I can't, can't really picture. judge the picture. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, went, went to a graphic designer one day, tried to describe it, and then they said to me, so is this what you can see? I was like, well, that was the worst <laughs> idea I've ever had. <laughs> But the way I best describe it is, imagine in the center of your vision, there's a big, big blind spot, so a big circle. And do you remember the old analog television when you used to get the static, the black, white, and gray fuzzy dots? Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. And they'd move around a little mm-hmm. bit. Imagine those dots, every single color of the rainbow. So right. a solid ball of flicking and flashing lights, every single color of the rainbow, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, whether your eyes are open or closed. Okay. Oh, wow. So that- you sleep with that vision. Yeah. 
Okay, that's the thing. So we as someone who's at full vision, you shut your eyes and you can switch off, turn off, I guess. But how do you then tell your brain to switch off? I don't do it consciously, but I think the best way I can describe it is if you had a song playing the same song for 10 years straight, you soon wouldn't hear it. Mm. You'd just get used to it. It's like when someone's got ringing in their ears. They get used to it. So if I concentrate on it, then it's there and it's distracting. It can give me a headache. It's your normal. Yeah, exactly. But it's normal. And then around the edges, around my peripheral vision, it's like looking through a really, really thick pane of frosted glass. So you can just see black, white and grey blurry shadows. The reason that you can talk about frosted glass, you can talk about analogue television, is that you weren't born blind, Ben. Absolutely. Can you take us back to, I guess, your childhood, what it was like growing up? Tell us your story. Childhood, very, very typical. Able-bodied childhood, playing sport, love being outdoors, basketball, footy, cricket, water skiing, you name it, I loved it. Good country boy, huh? Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, boy. Didn't have, didn't have a worry in the world. And I was... One of those kids that used to sit right up the back of the classroom thinking I was probably cooler than I actually was. <laughs> and I remember one day really clearly in science class looking at the diagram the teacher was drawing on the board and something didn't seem quite right. That seemed a tiny, tiny little bit blurry. And when I say blurry, you sort of like that haze that you see when you look at the sun for a couple of seconds too long then when you look away. Mm. Yeah, it just It's that tiny little bit blurry. Great example. It just takes a couple of seconds then just to readjust to, to normal vision. How old were you then? 16. So, yeah, so at this point in time, I've turned my best mate, Stu, who was sitting in class beside me. I've gone, mate, can, can you see this? Like, is it something that is in the classroom or is it me? What's going on? And then the more I started to think about it, the more I noticed it. I noticed it in my textbook, noticed it looking around the classroom, not just on the board. And I just had that gut instinct, that intuition that we all get from time to time, that something's not quite right, but you can't put your finger on exactly what it is. It's just that sick sort of feeling in your stomach. And Part of me didn't want to say anything, but part of me knew I should. So I turned to my dad, who always gave me great advice, and I thought, he'll know what to do. Typical dad, he's just gone, oh, well, mate, don't worry about it. We'll just wait and see what happens. Yeah. I was like, gee, thanks, dad. <laughs> Good on you, mate. But problem was then dad then called mum. I didn't know that, and all of a sudden, as soon as mum finds out, we're off to hospital. Six hours later, getting all these different tests done in emergency, all these different special pieces of equipment where the doctors are looking into the back of my eye, trying to figure out what was going on. How are you feeling, mate, during mm. this? At this point in time, running on adrenaline. Okay. And the doctor said, now, Ben, we've discovered what's going on. You've got an inflammation of your optic nerve, which is the cord that runs between the back of your eye and your brain and transfers all the images that our eyes see for our brain to understand them. That's inflamed. It's bigger than it should be. Don't worry about it, mate. It'll only take one month to fix. We'll put you on a course of steroids. So I was just fully trusting in the doctor. I went up to the top level of the Ionia Hospital in Melbourne, had the steroid drip put in, and mum and dad left for the night promising they'd be back first thing in the morning. The, the next morning when I woke up, I opened my eyes and everything that I'd seen in that hospital room the night before was gone. So when you opened up your eyes, did you think you were still asleep because you couldn't see? I didn't know I was fully awake. And then the longer I looked around... I started looking for my phone that I'd put on the bedside table the night before. That was gone. I looked towards the end of the bed where the TV was hanging on that little curtain rail. That was gone. So then I thought, what's still here that I definitely know is still here? Mm. Because they're all things that were out of my reach. I could feel my hands on the ends of my arms. So I held one hand up in front of my face and I couldn't even see that. And it was at that moment that I just buried my head back in the pillow and went straight into denial. Just hoping to wake up from a dream or a nightmare. 
Yeah, basically. So you went from, I mean, a little bit of blurred vision, like you gave that example of the looking at the sunlight over, on an overnight steroid drip, and you wake up with, you know, basically no. Was it was it gradual? Did you have at that point sixty percent, and over the time it slowly deteriorated to your now two percent vision, or was it bang all gone? Gone. Wow. Jeez. How did everyone react around you? Was there disbelief? Did they not believe you at first? Who's the first person you? Well, I was going to say who's the first person you saw, but who's the first person who came in that room? Honestly. I can't remember. Wow. Because it was that much adrenaline in my body at that point in time, I couldn't even tell you what happened that day. Mm. I, I know what happened, but not in the specific order of events. I know mum came back to the hospital and she was there, but before that, I had a nurse come in to give me the breakfast menu. And I said, I can't read the breakfast menu. I can't even see the, the piece of paper she's holding there. So once she knew that, then... She told a nurse, the nurse got a doctor, mm -hmm. doctor came back and then it took two weeks until they did a whole range of different tests to discover that it wasn't an inflammation of my optic nerve like they first thought. Oh, so I was going to ask that, so it was a misdiagnosis originally? Yeah. yeah, it appears the exact same. Through the equipment they were looking at, it looks the exact same, but it turns out that it was a rare genetic syndrome called Leber's Hereditary Optic Neuropathy, or blind as I like to call it. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm never going to be able to say that again, so yeah. I might as well just keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah. And then the doctor said then and there two weeks later, Ben, I'm really, really sorry, but this is actually incurable. It can't be fixed and you'll be blind for life. Do you know if that by putting you on that steroid drip that fast-tracked the condition that you had? Were you always going to go blind no matter what happened? Yes, I was always going to go blind. Right. I don't know is, okay. is the honest answer. And... You don't hold any grudges or... It is what it is. Yeah. I, I can't go back and change it. And if I didn't get the steroids, maybe it may have taken a week. It might have taken a month. Okay. It may not have. It might have happened overnight. The doctors do think that the steroids wouldn't have affected it, but obviously you can put two and two together and go, well, maybe it did. Mm. At the end of the day, it was going to happen. So got it over and done with pretty quick. <laughs> All right. So you, woke, you wake up and you're blind. But what was the biggest challenges straight away? What was the things you struggled with the most? Denial. And literally for two months, I went about life like nothing had changed. Because probably different to you, Dil, I'd woken up every single day for 16 years, 365 days a year and being able to see. So you take that away, it's very, very hard to then wake up the next morning and just go, okay, well, I can't see. Mm. Naturally for two months, I was waking up going, why can't I see? And that mixed with a why me mentality. But I was just in complete and utter denial. Sure, there was that tiny bit inside the back of my head going, you know this is real. But there was so much more of inside my head going, this isn't real. And this is just a nightmare. And this will be fixed. It took until two months when I was walking into school one day. I wasn't using a white cane. I was just walking next to sort of friends and my You're sister. You were back at school two months after this happened? What? I was back at school two days later. What? Because I was just in denial. Right. Running on adrenaline. And everyone's was... talking to you like you, nothing's happened? And are you telling them I'll get my sight back? Is that the kind of denial you're in? Not that I get it back. Okay. But that it, it doesn't change anything. Yeah, that's a non-issue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. a non-issue. It doesn't change anything. Mm -hmm. It's all good. And during that adrenaline rush, the teachers were fantastic at my school where they were doing work behind the scenes to figure out how to get my work to an accessible level so that I could start to do my work again. But they just thought the best thing for me is to get back in the classroom from the social aspect. It's so funny. All kids will try and get out of school. 
But then when something happens to you, where do you want to go straight away? Yeah, school. Back school. to school. You don't go, back oh, with your mates. what a great excuse. I'm blind. I can have two weeks off. It's like, no, no. What, I what go, am I going to do? I want to go back to school. Yeah, yeah it's funny how we are, we are as people. Yeah, so sat in the classroom for two months, <clears throat> literally just for the social aspect. Mm-hmm. And after that two months had passed, it was sort of that light bulb moment where I was walking to school one day. It was freezing cold. Because I'd been able to see my school for the four years previously, I had mapped it out pretty easily. It was okay. a small school. I could navigate it okay uh, with the help of my friends the whole time. And I was walking to school. My sister had caught up with a couple of her friends that were walking at the same time. So I said, no, you go, you go, I'll be right. I know the way from here. And 20 metres later, walked headfirst into a pole. Now, that was the moment. Is that what happened to your face? <laughs> no, no, a lot of, lot, a lot's happened to you my face. You would have known, Ben, but it's, mate, it's bad. <laughs> it's bad? <laughs> Thanks, mate. I've no. always wanted someone to give me the honest truth. We'll, we'll I knew to, I came you're a very hot reason. guy. We'll get to that a bit later. <laughs> <laughs> that so was the moment. That the, the denial, denial went and you yeah. realised this is the life that I'm now living. Yep. All I have right. to accept it. I can't change it. And in order to move forward, I've got to own it. So what about day-to-day activities so like what was the toughest things to learn and what were things that you realized oh it's actually not as hard as you think to do this actually when you are blind well it's funny you probably think a lot of things are harder than they actually are before you lose your eyesight or if you imagine what life's like to be blind you go that would be hard that would be hard that would be hard and they are but when you're forced to learn and you don't have a choice Mm. you learn them pretty quickly Mm. i mean from the tiniest things that i'd never even thought about like pouring myself a cup of water First time I did it, hand got wet. Mm. All right, how am I going to do it the second time? Put a finger in the top. When the water hits my finger, I went to stop. See, bang. So, so cool. Yeah. You, ju- yeah. you just learn by making mistakes. And my parents were great in saying, well, you're going to make mistakes. And once you make them, then we find a way around it. Can you just talk briefly about like technology and accessibility these days is incredible. Like you just before you came in was on your iPhone. Like how do you do that and other things that people probably think you can't use? Yeah, yeah. Well, mate. Siri and I, wow. we, are, we are best. I tell you what you're good at, and I'm, I mean this, and I want everybody to go check it out. You are really good at Instagram for a guy that can't see the photos. Am uh, I? You are. you got like 4,000 followers. They're good content. So do you ha- is that all through Siri? Predominantly all through Siri. Obviously, I've got people that I can show the photo to and go, hey, is this the photo that I think it is? Mm. Oh, that's so dangerous, bro. <laughs> it is. That could be nudes. <laughs> tell, <laughs> tell me about it. Tell me about it. And it is dangerous, but... Got a lot of the, trust in the your other, family and friends. The other thing with it is I also use my memory a lot in terms of I remember that if I took a photo today, what date it is, roughly what time it is. So if I'm going back through my photo roll, Siri doesn't describe what the photo is. She'll just say the date and the time. And I'll go, well, that's where I was wow. and when I was. So it's going to be one of those three photos that I took. That's such an incredible opportunity to have Siri in your pocket. I guess, you know, I don't really don't use get me Siri. Wrong, it's a love-hate relationship. Right. Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, you'd know all the Siri hacks. What kind of other features does that technology have that aids you in day-to-day? If you get lost, do you ask Siri where you are or? All the time. Okay. Wow. All the time. Because if I get a cab driver to drop me off somewhere and they say, yep, you're at this location and I walk out and all of a sudden I walk into the building that I thought I was meant to go into and I go, no, nah, this doesn't feel right. This isn't a bar or a restaurant, this is a, an office space or something different. If I don't feel comfortable in knowing exactly where to go or if it feels really quiet, I'll just walk back out on the street. I'll have one earphone in most of the time when I'm walking down the street okay. and I'll go, hey, Siri, what is my current location? And she'll go, bang, this is the address. And I can then just go walking directions to the address I need to go to 
and she'll direct me through my ear the whole time. Oh, wow. So it's, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. There's so you are cheating, so you're actually getting more help than cheating. I thought. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what they call yeah. 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 Um, Question for you. Do you ever get FOMO about what people are seeing? Now, I don't necessarily mean like the Grand Canyon and a helicopter tour, but I'm talking about like, I'll give you the worst example in the world. You wouldn't have seen it, Ben, but a couple of years ago there was a viral dress and people saw either gold and white or blue and black. And it was kind of this thing that divided, like I see this, I see that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you can't see any of it, do you get FOMO? FOMO... There's probably a percentage of that. Okay. And then I get told all the time, you just don't get it. You don't get the internet these days. You don't get memes because I've never seen memes. You've never seen a meme? Oh, bro, you haven't seen a meme. Amazing. Of course. So, a yeah, haven't seen one. <laughs> <laughs> but then I, then people go to me and I just say, well, you're just wasting your time on all this stuff because they spend half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour just scrolling through these things, talking mm. about them. I go, surely we could talk about something better. Yeah. They go, oh, you're so old and boring. I go, well... What else am I going to do? <laughs> um, you are listening to Listen Able, and we're going to hear more about things that you might miss out on that a little later on, Ben. But I've got to ask, we've got to change a pace now, because not only are you a great bloke, as we're finding out, mm-hmm. you are a very talented man as well, who has never let uh, his disability get in the way of the things that you wanted to do. Now, there's a few things here that we want to talk about. First and foremost, your experience in trekking the Kokoda track. So you've done that how many times? Twice. Both times vision impaired? Both times within the last two years. You have. Okay, so why in hell did you want to do that? First it's- of all, why do it once, then why do it twice? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, why do it again? That's what I'm saying. Right. Just for people, I mean, I know what the Kokoda Trail is, but for people who might be listening internationally, yep. can you tell people what the Kokoda Trail and what it so entails? So 96-kilometre trail through the Papua New Guinean jungle, and it's a track that follows in the footsteps that the Australian soldiers and the Japanese soldiers fought in World War II. Now, people who are able-bodied train for months to get the fitness, to get the the grit to be able to go through it because the conditions are hard as well. And you've done it twice? We're talking 100% humidity. We're talking torrential rain. We're talking mud. We're talking... 30, 35 degree heat. How? And one of the only benefits of doing it is I've heard it's got great views. So <laughs> yeah. apparently, you so, to so top, you don't even get that That's part. why I went back why the second time. Why are you doing time. it, bro? I went back the second time to get the views. <laughs> <laughs> you missed them the first. <laughs> Where was the motivation coming from to do the Kokoda Trail and take us through what 96 kilometres in those conditions is? For the first time, the motivation to do it, I'd always been pretty patriotic growing up and always had a great interest in the history of our soldiers and our diggers and wanted to experience something that that experienced. And you hear a lot of the stories about over there and guys are walking that track with legs blown off, with their eyesight gone from shrapnel, all sorts of different injuries. And I go, well, if I'm fit and able, first of all, if I walk it, I'm not going to have anyone shooting at me, which is a bonus because <laughs> I don't have to spot them in the jungle. True. <laughs> and why not give myself that opportunity to to pay my respects and get the perspective of what those guys sacrificed for our country. So that was that was my main reason to do it. We also did it to raise money for a charity. And every single step, everyone else in my group that came over from Australia had to rotate through in guiding me. So Wait, so holding it or telling you verbally? Telling me. So I had oh, can you give us an example? So I had two poles in each hand so I didn't use a cane because of the rough terrain Mm -hmm. so two of those hiking poles that I could put in the side of the track or if I was going up or down someone would move that pole and say okay put your foot next to that pole if it was say a really really small platform but for an example Ben your next step is with your left foot 45 degrees to your left 30 centimeters high up over a tree root down onto a rock (laughs) wow multiply that by 96 kilometers it soon becomes a bloody long trip yeah Yeah. (laughs) so how long did it take to complete 
seven days, seven nights. Yeah. Normally, on average, you'd spend between eight and ten hours on the track a day. And we were spending between ten and fourteen. Okay. To make up for the lost time. Yeah, just yeah. slow. Apart from Kokoda, I heard there is a record that you hold as well. There's a couple. Okay. There's a couple. One of them you might be alluding to would be being the first blind person to ever water ski race in the Southern 80, mm-hmm. which is one of the fastest and most dangerous water skiing races in the world, 80 kilometres along the Murray River at Echuca. And you've got 125 bends, you're passing boats, you're getting passed by boats, and you're doing speeds up over 140 k's an hour. Oh, my God. Wait. <laughs> Talk me yeah. through how the f*** you do that, and that is petrifying. Petrifying, yes, up until the moment the boat takes off. Then I just have to concentrate and mm. hold on for dear life. I absolutely love it. The way we do it, I had to replace my eyesight with something for safety, mm-hmm. even just to get the okay to do the race. So we got a helmet modified so that the observer in the boat who's responsible for the skier behind the boat and faces the skier has a radio that he can talk to me through and then tell me when the corner's starting, left, right, whether it's sweeping, whether it's sharp, whether I have to move a certain way, whether sort there's of like boats a, coming. a rally car driver assist, the guy who's in the passenger yep. seat? Yeah. Yep. 100%. Okay. Only problem is he's facing the opposite way to me, so his lefts and rights are different, just to make things easy. <laughs> so when you're skiing, what are you thinking about, just what's coming into your ear? like, Or do you kind of feel the water a lot more now that you are vision impaired? Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling the water. I'm not waiting to hear... An instruction. Okay. And I can feel when the boat's starting to turn through the rope. I can feel when the boats hit waves through the rope even before I hit the waves because I'm 65, 70 metres behind the boat. Mm. So I'm a long way behind. And you've got that split second where you feel the boat hit the waves and you start to prepare your body. You, you move your body into a position so you can take those waves. And there's always the risk, not that you want this to happen, but I can't rely wholly and solely on those instructions through my earpiece in case something happens with the radio, the helmet, something like that. So I've still got to have 100% confidence in my ability to ski without getting those instructions. Mm. It's so interesting. I fully agree. Like having my disability losing something, you get better at other things. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have great hands, like, and I think that is because of how much I used them as a kid, crawling. And so, like, in terms of hand-eye coordination, that's all I had. Mm. Yeah. I didn't have anything else. Yeah. And so you're using other senses, I guess, to Well, it's certainly a question. Do you think they're heightened since your loss of vision? Yes, they are. I would say not all of them. My hearing, definitely. And people go, oh, that's great. You've got better hearing. I go, well, it's good in some ways. It's good in a quiet environment. Put us in a restaurant or a bar or a club or a pub when there's hundred other people having a hundred other conversations, all that background noise is heightened mm. and is louder than it used to be. And I now struggle to have a conversation with you, Dylan, or you, Angus, sitting across from you more so than I used to because I can't read your body language. I can't uh-huh. lip read. And even people that are fully able-bodied, so not deaf, not hearing impaired, do lip read without knowing. Mm. So in a loud environment, we do lip read subconsciously. So you combine that with not being able to read body language half the time now, all their conversations are based on, oh, check out this photo, check out this meme, check out this video. So if I can't see that as well, then it's even harder to hear and put together what someone's saying in a loud environment. Well, picking up from what you just said, this year I was obviously lucky enough to play the Australian Open and I had one really long match, went for three hours in the sun. I remember I was on court, I'm serving, and I lost concentration for a bit because I looked up and I saw you sitting in the front row watching my tennis match for three hours. What were you doing during that match? I know you love footy. I know you love sport. You love going to watch. Talk us through that process. It's obviously harder to get as much out of watching a tennis match as 
when I could see. Yeah. But I soon find a way to then imagine what's going on and fill in the pieces. Whether you look that good out there or not, I don't know. But you look good uh, in I look, my head. Uh, I look good. So yeah, you, yeah. you so, paint a picture of what's happening in front of you. What well, you do from the sounds that you're wow. hearing, from everything that you're hearing. So, so even like the crowd, like, oh, yep. you know, it's like a close So you've shot. got that. I can hear when Dill hits a clean shot. Yeah, off then the racket. The best thing with the wheelchair tennis is there's two bounces. So I get twice the time to hear where the ball's gone yeah. instead of just one bounce. And then if I don't hear a hit back, therefore the other person's missed it. That's a point to Dylan. Putting all that together, even though I don't know exactly where the ball's landing every time, I was there for that and there to support. Good on you, mate. Let's talk about your current lifestyle. You said that when you were at school, you had a basic understanding of the school ground, so you could sort of, before you ran into the pole, walk yourself (laughs) to certain classes. What does your life look like now? Because you walk in with a stick, so you have a walking stick for day-to-day life, especially in new environments. When you open the front door, do you need a stick? No. Okay, take us through from the moment you walk through the door. How familiar are the settings that you can walk without bumping, nudging, anything? Very familiar, unless something has been moved. <laughs> right. Has that happened? Yeah. Oh, come, oh, yes. The <laughs> vacuum cleaner gets oh, left out. I'm or, coming over. I'm going to have some oh, booby traps. Oh, you would. You would. Yeah, so unless something gets moved, normally all good. But even from the little things like we've got light grey tiles in our house, mm-hmm. but because they're a light colour, we then got a dark-coloured couch. Now that couch hasn't moved for two years, mm. so I know where that is. That shape that I see, that dark shape, is that couch always in the same spot. So the more things I can have that have contrast, the better. We've got a light-coloured bench, so we went and got dark-coloured plates. How long does it take you to get that familiarity with the setting? Not long. Surprisingly, I would actually th- would have thought that it would take longer, and some places do if they've got little bits that you have to learn and all little tricky bits and pieces, but if a if a environment's pretty clean and straightforward and well set out, then it doesn't take too long at all. And you said we. I did that. say we. So mm. explain the we for us. The we is me and my fiance Amy. So Ooh. you met Amy when? Four years ago. Okay, so you were already yep. visioning yep, when see. you met her. All right. Never so, seen her. Don't know so what you, she looks like. <laughs> okay. I, I want to know what that meant. Like, yeah, okay, so you seriously. actually don't... Do you get people to describe what Amy looks like to you or... I have had, but it wasn't a determining factor for me. Of course, yeah. So probably the, the story behind it is Amy and I, we were, we were talking, we were chatting away and Amy changed her profile picture. She'd been to a wedding, apparently she looked good, changed her profile picture. Three other guys then get straight on, see her change her profile picture, message her, let's catch up, let's catch up, let's catch up. <laughs> and she's like, well, Ben hasn't even mentioned the fact that I've changed my profile picture. But he still keeps talking to me the same way. Yeah. So he actually doesn't care about so what I look like. beautiful about that. That's so nice. So he values more what's on the inside of me than these other guys do. Can I just say for the record, you are batting way above. She is beautiful. <laughs> Coincidentally, I know you can't see. See, she, I can't agree with that. She is, when I met her, I you was like. You can speak for her personality. Amy but is yeah, 100%. babe as well. I want to know how that makes you feel though, like that you can't see her. I know that you want to have kids one day. You might, will not be able to see their face, I guess. Do you dwell on that? There's definitely times. I'm not going to be that person that sits here and goes, you know what, I don't have a bad day, don't have a bad moment, don't yeah. have a frustrating moment. I think we all need to be able to put our hand up from time to time and be vulnerable and go, yeah, sometimes life can be shit and sometimes you can get down about it. And there are those moments where friends of ours are having kids and, oh, here, Ben, hold our new baby. And you sort of have that half a second moment where you go, this is going to be hard. 
Mm. It's going to be amazing, but it's going to be hard and it's going to be frustrating. So those sort of things that haven't happened are going to be really tough. Getting married and not being able to see, see her walk down the, the aisle, those sort of things are going to be tough. But we're also doing things to, to work around that. Mm. Is uh, your condition, uh, formerly known by doctors as blind, uh, <laughs> is that hereditary? Is there a chance that you could pass it on to your children? Yes, it is hereditary. Okay. No, I can't pass it on to my kids. Okay, how does that work? So it's passed down through the females. The females. So, oh. Same as colour blindness. So my, my nana, my mum's mum, mm-hmm. she's got the gene. but So she was the carrier, but you can't pass so it on. So she's the carrier. Yeah. She passed it on to mum. The female guarantee passes it on to all of her kids. Okay. I can't pass it on to mine. My sister will pass it on to hers. If my sister has three girls, it's more likely not to affect those girls, but it will keep spreading. Yeah, the carrier continues. If she's continues. got two boys, if she has two boys, my sister, the, the gene will stop there in our family, but they're more likely to be affected by it. Yeah. But my two uncles, my mum's brothers, mm-hmm. they've got the gene, both can see perfectly fine. Okay. Mm. Could that change at any minute? Potentially it could. I mean, I'm no, no doctor, no scientist, yeah. but... They do say that generally with this condition, it presents between sort of 15 and 20. Had you had sex before you lost your vision? No. So you've only ever got into that world post being vision impaired? Yes. Do you reckon that makes you better? I mean, I I never need to turn the light on. (laughs) While you say that, are your electricity bills cheaper? 100%. Yes. I I, I am the energy company's best customer. (laughs) You must be. But that means you started dating when you when you were vision impaired. Obviously, I, I want people to point people to, to Ben's Instagram, but also we're going to put some videos up so you can see Ben himself. He is a rooster. Yeah, like, this is all being filmed. Absolutely beautiful man. And you probably went pretty well growing up with the ladies, but did they always know that you were blind or did you tell them straight up? Or Some I did, some I didn't. If it was going to be something serious, then I would also always tell them straight up. I'd convince myself at 18 that I was never going to be deserving of a girlfriend. Yeah, so, yeah, of course. I'd, I'd convince myself that... I did was, the same thing. Yeah, there was yeah. no way that someone should want to be someone who can't see when they can have someone who can see. Mm-hmm. They're going to be able to give so much more to a relationship. It's not fair. I actually broke up with my current girlfriend and said, you deserve better, and convinced myself then and there for two years not to be with anyone. The other promise I made to myself was, you will never make the first move. If I was going to go into something serious, I will never make the first move and I will never say, I love you. I will never say, do you want to go out with me? I was going to leave that up to them because I didn't want the sympathy vote. If I ask someone out, I don't want the, oh, well, I better say yes because I don't want to hurt his feelings. That's where it got So you felt that love but you didn't feel the courage to say it thinking that that person would only say it back because they feel sorry for you? Not that they would say it back to me just because of the sympathy vote, Yeah, but I didn't want that option. As in, they may say it genuinely. If I said, will you go out with me? They might go, yes, of course. Or they might go, yes, because of the sympathy vote. I didn't want that option to be there. Well, what about the biggest question that you asked your now fiancé? Did you wait for her to ask to marry you? No, no, no. Because we, <laughs> we'd, have, we'd have that conversation beforehand. And uh, I, I was pretty confident it was going to be yes. When you were growing up, I know like when you were going to house parties and that, I know you, like, you had a bit of a type, you know, female-wise. Like everyone has a bit of a type. Was there a special way that your mates used to communicate to you to make sure that you were getting pushed down the right path with well, the right ladies? Something you used to be attracted to, yeah. yeah. There had to be a code. Talk, talk about the code. <laughs> had yeah. to be a code. Because when I'm going to house parties, whether I was going to nightclubs, if we're all dancing in a group, then you might get sort of pushed a certain way and all of a sudden you're dancing with a girl. 
this is complete trust in my mates. If they're above a seven, <laughs> then come through and give me a tap on the shoulder. If they're below a seven, come through and give me a tap on the waist. That's just a, all right, turn around, see you later, have a good night, keep dancing. Bye-bye. What, if what, are you, what are you out of ten then? Nine and a half. I, I haven't seen myself in the mirror lately. It might have gone down. What if you're chatting to a nine and your mate's got a crush on that nine Ooh. and he comes over and touch you on the way so he can get in and snake yeah. Hey, that could have happened. Yeah, probably I tell you who would have done that, me, because I would have said, I can't reach your shoulder, bro. I was trying. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you, you'd tap me hip every day of the week. Yeah, I um, We have an idea for you, Ben. I... Would love to know what the process of is like of trying to describe what they look like. Does that make sense? So, how when you meet someone, do you paint a picture in your head about what they look like? Not consciously. Think about it like this. Have when, you ever seen Dylan Alcott? Don't think so. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. I mean, you know but, he's in a wheelchair, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't but, know how but to describe. But the funniest thing is, I, I have the perfect picture. Yeah, do you know what I mean. So, yeah, you've gone to see his tennis matches. What does Dylan look like in your head? This would be good. Good looking rooster. No, <laughs> oh, come on, you obviously can't see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you must be blind. <laughs> Let me go back a step. Picture when you read a book, right? And then you see the movie come out two years later. And that character doesn't look the same as you picture Every the character movie. from the book. Every movie. What a great example. You don't consciously, when you're reading that book, go, I'm going to picture that person like this. No, but I it knew exactly happens. what Hermione Granger looked like in my head. Exactly. And I was very happy with them all. <laughs> <laughs> so when I, yeah. when I meet someone, I don't consciously go, oh, Angus, I haven't met someone lately or I haven't, the last four people I've made blonde, so I'm going to make Angus have dark hair. Like, I don't do it that way. Yeah. It just happens. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. That's yeah. amazing. I think you might have a bit of bias to know what I look like. Maybe people have told you, but we've hung out a bit. You've met Angus today, have oh, you yeah. not? Yes, correct. I, okay. I need you to describe what Angus looks like. I like talk. I want and hair, so weird features, weight, beard. What do you reckon? I've been making eye contact with you for the past 30, 40 minutes, Have forgetting we? that you came. <laughs> but also, but also, Ben makes eye contact with us. You keep changing who you're talking to. Yeah, you're, you're looking this deep in the eye. Okay, what about my uh, skin color? Palish. Yep, correct. Okay, <laughs> he doesn't like that, but he is. <laughs> or taken <taking> white. <laughs> Dark brown hair. Yep. It's a light brown, but light yeah. brown. Yep. Brown hair. Mm-hmm. Not super long hair. How's it cut? What's it? What is it? Short on the sides. Yeah. Not super straight on top. Like the hair is not perfectly straight. My hair cut is ve- quite similar to yours, but yes, yours is very neat it. It's short and on the combed sides. It across. Mine's very messy up the top. Yeah. 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 And a bit wavy. Are you sure you can't say? <laughs> I was going to say, oh. is it fraud? <laughs> <laughs> cool, Bob. Nah. That's amazing because, yeah, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty bang on. Can I? Uh, can is he I... drinking his good looking dude or not? <laughs> I think you guys are right. There you go. Damn it. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Yeah. Um, I'm going to punch some questions at you. I want real quick fire answers. All right, I'll strap myself in. I think I know the answer to this. I think we all do by this point. What do you wish you could see most? You get five seconds of vision. What do you want to be in front of you? I want it to be my kids when I have them. Yeah, beautiful. Can you see in your dreams? That's not going to take five seconds to answer. Is that all right? So 50% of my dreams, it's like I am now. I can't see. But that dream is like watching a movie with a blind character in it. I say what I'm saying, I feel what I'm feeling, but the dream is still clear. Wow. wow. 50% of my dreams, I can still see perfectly fine. And I'm, like, I'm as old as I am now, but I can see perfectly fine and I'm first person in the dream. Do you think it's easier to be born blind or to lose your sight like you have? I don't know. Yeah. If you're born blind, you wouldn't know what, I'm, what you're missing. 
every single day I know what I'm missing, but I can also be described, hey, the sky's really blue today. If you're born blind, what's blue? Yeah. Would you go back to that classroom and change what happened to you? No. It's opened up a whole new life. And it's not a worse life. It's not a more negative life. It's just different. If it wasn't meant to happen, it wouldn't have happened. Great answer. Do you always sit down and pee or do you sometimes take a risk and have a shot? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> Funny story. That's a good question. Hit me with this story. So I did a course. While I was doing this course, up until this point, I'd always sat down. Mm-hmm. And I thought, if there's ever a time to practice, it's when you're in a building full of other blind people. Because if you miss, they can't blame you. You're not the only, oh, only blind person wow. in the building. So I had a week to practice and all of a sudden I got, <laughs> got, my, te- got my technique up and <laughs> listened to bubbles. Do you use, nice. the, do you use the one trick, one finger trick that you use in the cups? <laughs> <laughs> um, no. <laughs> do you get offended when people say, mate, I'm blind, as in drunk? No, because I still use that terminology. Do you use term. it? I, use it yourself. Oh, I don't okay. care. I'm not a politically correct kind of person. Yeah, yeah. good. Do you dress yourself in the morning and how do you know what you're looking like and putting on? Yes, I do dress myself and I do it by having a really well-organised wardrobe. Mm. And so I'll have described to me what that T-shirt is, what colour it is, and then I'll learn that T-shirt by feel. Mm. So this T-shirt has a certain pattern here, certain pattern on the back, so I know that's a green T-shirt. So different jeans, these jeans have ripped in them, so therefore they're light blue and they feel a certain way. So I know because I've been able to see... I put that picture together in my head and go, do I reckon that'll look good? I mean, occasionally I get that outfit on where I walk out and I go, all right, see you later, Ames, I'm off. And she goes, hang on a minute, turn around, try again. So <laughs> right. th- there's the odd she time where it doesn't way. work or, yep. or just those, those colours don't match or something like that. Yep. But most of the time, yeah, all good. Before you had a disability, what did you think of disability? Did you know anything? I'd never met anyone. You didn't even cross your mind about anything? I, well, obviously I knew of disability, but I'd never met anyone with a disability. Once I was then labelled with a disability, you just wonder, what's this going to mean for me? What is this going to limit my potential? Is it going to limit what I can achieve? Is it going li- to limit the way people look at me? Is that stereotype, that generalisation of disability? Because it is, as much as we have to use the word in Australian culture, you do have to think that this is a negative, has a negative connotation to mm-hmm. it. So as soon as you hear the word disability, it's, it's less ability, it's all that. So... It, it took me a moment to go, well, although that's the label, I don't have to let that label dictate what I can and can't do. Good man. The last question is actually going to be a question that we're not even ready for or we don't know what it is. And, of course, uh, it's a thing we're going to be doing on the podcast. It's a bowl of uncomfortable because for people to get comfortable with disability, they need to become uncomfortable with yeah, it. Yeah, but normalise it by talking about it. Exactly right. So we are, of course, you can't see the question, so I've gone to the liberty of drawing the question out for you. So I don't know it. Braille. My apologies. Yes. Hey, Do you know Braille? So- no, not really. Not really. No. I, I can read and write it, but because of technology, I don't. And okay. don't it's need becoming it. redundant. Yeah, See you, Braille. Bye. But these questions were sent in by our listeners. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit like anything that they want to know. So it's kind of the morbid curiosity of people with disability, and we told people that you were blind and they wanted to know some certain questions about them. Great. Uh, the question that you got pulled out makes me uncomfortable asking. I guess that is the game. Uh, have you ever contemplated suicide? Yes. So the, the thought had crossed my mind, mm. but, okay. Mm, you don't have to answer if you don't want to. You don't have to. I, I think there's a difference between thinking about it and thinking there about is. doing it. Talk about it. I've thought about it, but I haven't thought about doing it. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Was so, that was was it in the initial stages of when it first happened? No, it was probably two years down the track. Okay. When I had my lowest moment. So to paint the picture, it was yeah, so two years after I lost my eyesight, I'd broken my ankle in four places water skiing. So I spent my eighteenth birthday, which I dreamed of for so long, because that was gonna be my ticket to independence, ticket to driving, ticket to becoming an adult. I spent my eighteenth birthday not at school, at home, in a wheelchair blind. Mm. That was a pretty, pretty low moment. And I didn't think about committing suicide, but I thought maybe life would be easier if I wasn't here. Does that make sense? For sure. So, so I, I never thought about acting on it, but obviously the thought I, I feel crosses your mind, mm. but it ha- hasn't crossed my mind since. Don't get me wrong. You have cheap moments, but it, ha- it hasn't been any more than that. And maybe looking back now, maybe that was just a shit moment. Mm. Maybe it wasn't contemplating suicide. Maybe it was just that thought crossing your head. But when you talk about suicide, you think about suicide, you think about the effects, so therefore you think about it. Yeah. yeah. Can Thanks I just say, honesty, mate. mate, you're a very impressive young man. From the bottom of my heart, and someone else has a disability, someone that you know, even I look up to, brother, just your outlook and the way that you've got on with life and your family life and the way that you and your partner interact with each other. and Mate, it's awesome. And Thanks, I know bro. we... As a community, people with disability, but also this is podcast isn't for people with disabilities, for everyone. It's a eye-opener, but, I'm just, <laughs> but into the lives of what people can do, you know? And, and, and I had a bias towards people who were blind because I'm not blind and I'm like, that life is way harder than my life. You know, I thought. Yeah, in your personal opinion. Yeah. You probably think, mate, at least I can still walk around and go to people's houses and get upstairs, you know, things that you think that I can't do. And it literally, I've learned so much from you. Uh, I really have. And I hope more people have. And I guess, what is that last message that you want to leave with people? Not only about your life, but about your outlook on, on everything that you do. I think for me, the biggest thing I've taken out of living with a disability is that no situation is worse or better than anyone else's. Hmm. Able-bodied living with a disability, whatever. Like we all go through shit. We all have challenges thrown our way. Things are going to change. Things are going to happen. And I had a family friend the other day who had lost his wife of over 30 years say to me, I'm going through a really tough time, but I look at you and you're so much worse off than me. And I was like, hang on a minute. What if I reckon that he's worse off than me? Who's right or wrong? No one. We all go through different stuff. And whether you've got a disability, whether you're from another race, whatever, whether you've got money behind you, whether you don't have money behind you, we've all got different situations, different circumstances. And the moral of that story is we treat everyone equally. I've learned a lot uh, about yeah, hearing too. impairment, but I've uh, also learned most from this. Hearing impairment? You, you just said hearing impairment. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> Do not edit that out. Make sure that makes it. Aren't you deaf? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's start episode three. <laughs> uh, but most of all, I've learned that uh, you're a great bloke, mate, and uh, looking forward to having a beer right now. Yeah. Ben, Thanks very much for being part ben, of this. Thanks, boys. Cool. Thanks for coming on, brother. Pleasure. A big thank you to Ben. Yeah, if you want to get in touch with Ben, uh, I've seen him as a keynote inspirational speaker. And as you can probably tell, listening to this podcast, he is an awesome dude who can really enrich your life, but also your business as well. Make sure you head to his website, www.benpettengill. Pettengill spelled P-E-T-T-I-N-G-I-L-L. Benpettengill.com.au. You can also hit him up on 
his socials. Uh, he will really change your life, so make sure you check him out. We have show notes as well for this podcast. We'll put all the information below. Uh, but also we should mention that we have started a Facebook group. It's not going to be a Facebook page. It's, it's a, a way for people to come into our listenable community and chat with each other. And we're sure Ben might be in there at some point and might open up a thread where you can ask him any questions that we didn't ask that you're curious about. Yeah, exactly right. Also, if you know somebody living with a disability or affected by disability that you think is worth sharing their story on the Listenable podcast. Make sure you get in touch with us via our socials uh, and we'll get you on this podcast. Let's check out next episode of Listenable where you're going to be blown away by the story of Curtis McGrath. I knew my legs weren't coming back. The lads put me onto the, the stretcher and you know they're carrying me along and you know, we're joking about losing brand new boots. And then I was like, oh, don't worry about me. I'll just go to the Paralympics. It'd be sweet. It'd be all fine. Turn and- it up. <laughs> what a story. <laughs> Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes, but please enjoy the next episode of Curtis. And until then, thanks very much for listening. Yeah, it wasn't uncomfortable. It was listenable. It's listenable. Listenable was presented by Dylan Alcott and Angus O'Loughlin and produced in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Audio production by Darcy Thompson and the music was written and performed by Eliza Hull. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.